Once again, everybody, this is the Kings of the Heart Podcast. My name is Tariq Omari Walton, and I am a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. And you know what? This podcast is all about relationships, making sure that you are figuring out how to form more healthy relationships. And to do this, we not only have the kings, we also have the queens. And this is what we call the Royal Cipher. And when we do that, you know what we do? We bring in, like I said, our queens. And I will first begin with the one and only Miss Weena Wise. Weena, how you doing, lady? Hey, y'all. Hey. What's up, Tyreek? Welcome back. Welcome back. And, of course, we also have Miss Anisha Kassad. You have to come off the mic. You have to come off mute, man. You have to come off mute. Sorry. There she goes. Always a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Missing John, though. Yeah, I know. I know. We need John back, but we know Mm -hmm. we'll have him again soon. So Mm -hmm. it will be the whole royal family. The whole royal family. The cypher. Anyway, guys, how's everybody been? Oh, I've been been booked and busy and also working on my new podcast. Oh, tell us about the podcast, Wiener Wise. Oh, man. Long time coming. Lots of false starts, but, uh, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, 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 and try again. <laughs> we know you are tenacious and persistent, so. Yeah, yeah, I just had to get the right dynamic going, and so um, so excited to introduce the Wise Ones podcast. I think we're on episode four now, and myself and my lovely co-host, Jimmy McGowan, are currently recapping this exciting new show that Peacock aired called Couple to Thruple where four that. couples yep, yeah, on a remote island are uh, trying to navigate bringing a third person into their romantic relationship. So it gives us a lot of racy uh, information to process and it's really helping folks to understand in their own twosome some of the things you need to think about when you're blending, which I think is a good segue for today's topic it because definitely yeah, yeah, take it away, Tyree. Yeah, so if you have been listening to the Kings of Heart podcast for the past few episodes, Dr. John and I, and we miss you, Dr. John. Hope you feel better and see you soon. Um, We were talking about moving in together, shacking up, and what that looks like from all these different perspectives. And we had it as a two-parter because there's so many different topics to cover. And as part of part three, we saved this specifically for the Royal Cypher. We want to make sure our sisters were here to talk about these two particular topics as it relates to moving in together. The first one is blended families. We haven't covered that yet. What it looks like when you have children and your mate has children and you all come under one roof together. So we want to get into that. But we also want to talk about cultural differences because there are so many different perspectives within culture that may play a role in the way that you're able to relate to one another or get along within your household. Very different perspectives, um, backgrounds, experiences. We want to get into all those things. So we want to save that for you guys. I'm glad you're here. To talk about thank you thank you, know, you 
So why don't we do this? Why don't we start off with blended families? I want to just start jump right into it with blended families. First, give a description from your perspective what it means to be a blended family and what it is that it takes to to bring everybody under that roof in a in a peaceful manner. You know, it's just like the transition into the house together. Anybody want to jump in? Well, I'll say a, a blended family basically is when the two of you have children of your own. You each have kids and now you are coming together um, under one roof as one family. Okay. Weena? Weena? Yeah. Um, yeah. Think of that. I mean, you just hit it right on the head that um, not only just kids, but I believe that marriage is the joining of two families. Mm -hmm. And by that, it means uh, the in-laws. And so when you're even choosing a mate, you, you should not necessarily think about your marriage in isolation or a bubble, just me and my partner. But you also need to be thinking about the community around each other and how you all are going to mesh and integrate. But yes, the kids uh, living under the same roof, that's going to be important. But sometimes we're bringing elderly parents with us. Yeah. Uh, we're bringing uh, folks who can't afford to live on their own in the family with us. And so it, it does extend to a, a larger picture than just kids sometimes. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. And I want to bookmark that because I think that um, when we start talking about um, the cultural piece, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. And I just want to make sure people understand that we're not just talking about people who are getting married and moving in together. This is yeah. anybody, anybody who's shacking up, you know, it's, it could be cause like we talked about, um, in previous episodes, it could be a thing of convenience and finances where you guys are just together and haven't yeah. decided to get married yet. And what that looks like. So, um, so you have a lot of people who bring their families, like you said, you know, extended families even into the picture and you haven't even crossed into marriage or that discussion yet. It's just, okay, we're all under one roof. And what does that True look that. like? Right. True that. I think one of the biggest challenges that I see um, when you're just kind of living together, but you're bringing two families together, um, you know, each other's children is you may be clear on what the status of the relationship is, mm. but the kids are not always. Good point. Right? Mm. So it's one thing for you to be married, and this is my stepmom or my stepfather, you know what I mean? Like where there's kind of a title, a role, a sense of what that is. When you just move in, sometimes that's a little um, murky, right. a little ambiguous, and right. it can be a little more challenging for the kids um, to adjust um, and to accept that other person, like who are they right. to me? Um, and so all those boundaries around discipline and, and that stuff um, can be a little bit challenging. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important, clarity. You know, when you think about when people are moving in together, particularly when you're involving people more than just a couple, that you have to have a lot of clarity around who everybody is to each other. Um, so how do you establish that? Or back up a little bit. Before we get into how you work through those things, why don't we talk about some of the things that get in the way or may complicate blending families, bringing everybody into the same household? What are some of the things that, that make it a hard transition? I'll jump in here. Okay. Uh, babies, mamas, and babies, daddies. Uh, good point. <laughs> so, Dig into that yeah, a little right. bit. Yes. Right. The, 
the children's other parents mm-hmm. is such an important consideration because it's a possibility that you were actually in relationship with them at some point. You know, some some pregnancies occur uh, from relationships that don't turn out to be significant, but some pregnancies occur in marriages. What we thought was going to go the distance. And so um, now there is a separation and custody agreements or parenting agreements. And that other parent actually gets a say in where their kids live and who they live with, who they're exposed to. And so it can be difficult at times uh, when you think about moving in with someone else who isn't the child's or children's parent, because you're going to actually have to navigate a conversation and an ongoing transaction with that other parent about blending into another family with somebody new. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. imagine that. That has to be a really hard conversation to have with somebody like, I'm taking your children. And I'm moving in with somebody else who's not you. And being on the other side, receiving that, like, um, I don't know how comfortable I am with that. You know, whether I met the other person or not, I can Mm -hmm. imagine being very, not just defensive, but um, uh, um, what's it called? When you're protective. Want to be very protective of your children and what that may be and how they may be affected or impacted by this new person. I can only imagine what that would be like. You know, what what have you seen, Anisha, in terms of that particular point with some of your clients? Well, yeah, I mean, it varies. You know, some people navigate it very well and some people don't. Um, some people feel very resentful, like I shouldn't have to ask permission. This is my life. You chose not True. to be part of it. And, you know, I'm moving on. Um, and then trying to figure out how to engage the other parent. Um, you know, some people want to keep it clean, like, that's, you know, these are your children. Um, and so I'm not going to be involved with that piece. Some people, you know, definitely want to make sure that they engage right away and have, you know, the parents meet, yeah. talk um, about what's going on. Because again, like there's so much um, variability in it. So you have um, different custody arrangements where the kids, you, you've got moving parts. So right. You might have some kids that are with you constantly, but some that move in and out, like they're here every other weekend or, you know, alternating weeks. Um, And so some people, I think the best, the ideal situation would be for the parents to all get together, Mm -hmm. right? Including um, the partner that's moving in, like that, that we become part of the village. Yeah. We have discussions about what this looks like so that things get reinforced as they move back and forth between homes. And, you know, there's there's clear understanding and open lines of communication. Yeah. What are some other I want to get back to the transition point, but I also want to talk about what are some things that you need to consider, you know, about blending your family, bringing, you know, your family in with another family under one roof? What are some considerations you want to have and discuss before even making that decision? Um, I would definitely say um, space, right? Really thinking about where everyone's going to be. Ah, right. Um, Oh, gosh, yeah. Equity and, you know, kind of that fairness and um, who's sharing rooms and all of that. That really needs to be taken into consideration when you have kids involved um, and the space that you choose. Like you make sure that people, you know, the children have space 
that represents them and where they feel like they belong. Right. We That's a great point. Mm -hmm. That's a great point because as, as you think about who's moving where, if you are moving with your children into the other person's pre-existing mm -hmm. space or vice versa, mm -hmm. it's really important that the child who or children who are moving into the pre-existing space uh, also, they get that that say and they get that space that helps them to make it their own, mm -hmm. as you're saying. Right. It, they're already being uprooted from the home that they currently live in, but then to land in a space that hasn't been well thought out and well appropriated for them, it makes for a really, really hard landing right. instead of a soft landing, which is what we always want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember when um, my father and my mother, my stepmother, um, got married, and I have an older stepbrother who's five years older than me. Now, mind mm -hmm. you, at the time, I'm seven years old, and he's 12, about to turn 13, and we're going to share a room. Now, we're talking about two only children. Wow. Yes. With that yeah. kind of gap in age, at that time in your lives, moving yeah. into one little space together. And of course, we had bunk beds, and my brother's huge. He's like, you know, six foot when he's like 12, 13 years old. Wow. Um, so he takes up a lot of room. But I can only yeah. imagine from his perspective, I got to live with this little kid, this little whiny kid, you know, yeah. who's coming from. And you, you were know, extra whiny. I know it. <laughs> no comment. Um, so, <laughs> so I can only imagine how that mm -hmm. felt for him. I'm, I'm sure he's told me I just, you know, kind of buried it somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> you want to consider what's this going to look like when you're bringing these these kids into this household? Do you have enough room for everybody? And if not, how's how are people going to feel when the room that they used to have in their old home has been diminished to fit your desires? Not necessarily yeah. mine, because we don't really have a choice in this. You know, right. it's, it's what you want, right? Right. Other thing to think about, too, is meals and cooking and food mm -hmm. right because everyone ha may have a very different um taste palette and so i know for me i was coming from living with my mother in brooklyn where we didn't eat pork or beef now moving in this household where pork and beef are a regular thing particularly yeah. liver i never liked the liver thing um no. it was a really hard <laughs> transition to, to eating liver but even those <laughs> things you know um what are who's going to be doing the cooking and um, what are we actually going to, going to be eating? Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, all of those things, all of that has to be negotiated. Like yeah. with every um, household, there are certain rules mm -hmm. and certain rhythms um, that will be new to these children who are coming together. Um, you have a motivation as the partner to you know, do this to, you know, make the compromises and changes because you're in love and, you know, right. you've made this choice. But like you said, these kids didn't make this choice and yet this has been forced upon them. Right. Um, so I think that ideally, depending on their age, like engaging them in the process um, would be helpful. In what ways? Um, like how would you engage them? Um, talking about what things that they would like to see and need and what would allow them to feel um, a part of it, talking about chores and who does what, mm. um, you know, kind of involving them as soon as possible in, you know, saying this is your home too. Right. Right. You think I like the idea of a probationary period, mm. you know, people might come for me, but <laughs> when you are uprooting the life of your children, 
and they're now going to a new school or they're living in a different space and uh, they have to get along with other kids that have different temperaments, there's got to be a grace period where some, some real adjustments need to be made and you need to be checking in to make sure that all of that is going smoothly. Mm-hmm. And on some levels, if you go into the situation feeling like it has to work no matter what, mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, you put the entire family in a situation where there's really no room for honesty. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if, if the kids, right, if the kids' temperaments don't mesh well, if if your kids are becoming depressed, if they don't have enough space and for the foreseeable future, this is the way it's going to be, uh, you end up forcing them into a space of silence. Mm. Mm. So being willing to say, we're going to try the living situation. Right. And we're going to actually check back in after a month, three months, six months and see if it works. You know, th- that's that's something that is best practice. Uh, it might not always be the practice, right. but you you got to be willing, depending on how you feel about the health and safety of everybody, to take an honest look at whether or not the transition is going smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also have a, a listener, um, happens to be my wife. She's actually <laughs> watching right now. And she said, um, other than great point for you, um, common, oh, common grounds exactly. for discipline. Right. Yeah. So also taking that in consideration, how are you going to share the responsibilities around disciplining children? Because we know that can be a very sensitive topic. Oh, now I'm thinking about the the parent who doesn't live in a household. You're bringing my household and you're bringing my child into another household and that person is going to be disciplining my child. Right. Right. But what are some of the considerations you need to make around disciplining the children? Shared discipline. I think that the way you think about disciplining is really indicative of your personality in the relationship and um, partners who come together with kids, it starts to play out amongst how you allow the kids to move and be in the household. Mm. So if you're an indulgent parent in general, your, your type of disciplining is probably going to be reflective of that. Yeah. So you know, oh, I let the kids get five strikes before I really come in and I may never come in heavy handed with the kids. Right. right? Mm -hmm. I feel like we talk about it. They have room to push back on me and I just want everybody to be happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, Happy and free. Right. That's indicative of who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Most times and couples can see certain themes playing out. And then you've got the other partner who believes in routines, regiments, structure, rules, structure, boundaries. And that translates to how they parent their kids. What that looks like is a lot of discussion on the front end of that relationship. Those discussions need to happen before anybody packs a single box and moves in with each other. Mm -hmm. And it's inevitable that you are going to find yourself in situations after you've moved in where you're kind of learning on the go Mm -hmm. and you see the differences happening and they're playing out in real time. But that calls for a lot of back bedroom conversations as well. The rule has to be that when we see a problem brewing, 
and we don't quite know what the best practice is for each other in the situation with disciplining the kids. We take a time out and we go into the master bedroom or the back room and we have a sidebar right. mm-hmm. and we try to get on the same page and align with how we're going to handle it. And, and the best thing is that in that moment, you don't have to make a rash or, or immediate decision. Mm-hmm. We can come back and say, you know what? We need a timeout. Something's coming down the pipeline on this one, mm-hmm. but we need to get ourselves in line before we we render any verdict on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it can be hard to do, though. And I do know that um, like some people are just very easily triggered. How right. So? so if you hear, um, well, just becoming very protective okay. of their children, right. you hear someone who's not yeah. their parent raise their voice. Right. True. Um, or, you know, approach in in what you perceive as an aggressive manner toward your child it's like wait 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 what are we doing right um, like you want to intervene like right then like you're saying we I, mean, I think ideally we'd have that sidebar uh, out of the pre- presence of the kids yeah but there's something kind of instinctual that comes when you say like no i don't you're not going to talk to my kid like that. Right. right right um and then you know also a, a feeling of uh, preferential treatment or different treatment yeah. like, mm-hmm. we're much harder with this one than that one um the kids may may perceive that or see that like you um the way you speak to your kids is different than the way you speak to my kids yep. so it's it is a very very tender subject whether you're just shocking up or remarrying and blending families like that's discipline is a big one yeah yeah one of the things that i tell my my clients when they are blending families that when it comes to discipline, first, the new person coming in to the relationship and to, to this new this family, this dynamic, there needs to be, again, a, um, what's, what's the term you use, Weena? Um, trial, trial, trial period, yeah, onboarding. Oh, the probationary, oh, probationary period. period, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Where, you know, whatever issue there is with that particular child, if you don't have a relationship with them, they're not going to be responsive to you. So you Love need it. time to actually build that relationship yes. with that child before you even try or attempt to discipline yes. them. Because if you come in hard and they don't know you like that, I mean, mm-hmm. just between the, the the hurt, the the fear that develops from that, the distance, the resentment that you may never get over. You know, I've heard stories about people saying, you know, my stepfather came in or my stepmother came in and they were really hard. Oh, you know, the whole Cinderella thing. They were really hard. <laughs> And here it is 20 years later, and they're still resentful. They never built a, a strong relationship with that new parent because of how rough they came in as disciplinarians. And for some people, for some of the other parents, I've seen this with my LGBTQ um, clients. You have one where, you know, the mother of the child will come in expecting her mate now to be the disciplinarian. Like, that's her expectation. I want you to be the disciplinarian. I'm bringing you in here to be the disciplinarian. The, uh, the mate's like, yo, hold on. I don't know your kid like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these, you have to manage those expe- expectations. So there needs to be a relationship that develops between the child and the new parental figure before you can even begin to explore discipline. And I think that absolutely, 100%. And I think that gets to, you know, we know what you were saying about the necessity of having those conversations 
ahead of time right. and really being really communicating expectations um, because I've seen it where um, like, let's say um, there's a child, the, the gender pairing, right? So mm -hmm. the, the new partner coming in is the same gender as the child of the parent, right? Okay. And there's an expectation of what that relationship is going to look like. Right. So if it's a girl and I'm bringing in my, you know, female partner, you're going to do her hair and you're going to, you know, kind of build and, and nurture relationship around, you know, kind of the rituals that females and women do. Right. Um, and the new partner coming in may not be comfortable, yeah. you know, may not be sure of what the boundaries are. May not know you know, how to do hair. Yeah, oh, yeah, don't know how to do hair. Um, <laughs> don't make assumptions now. Into those things themselves, right. or there's intention from the other parent, right? And so right. they're they're reticent on how to engage. Um, and so I see sometimes um, like a real disconnect between what's expected and what's communicated, mm -hmm. right? Like there's some ideals around what this is going to look like and what your role is going to be as this, you know, child's other adult in their life. Um, and I think it, it requires some good, some good talking through ahead of time before you cross the threshold. Right. I couldn't agree more. And I think when children coming in are at very different ages and stages, yeah. it yeah. also requires a lot of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because if you have the older children and you're coming into a situation where you're going backward, you now have to repeat some phases and stages uh, with raising kids. The assumption may be that, you know, oh, you're fine with it. You've been here, done that before. Uh, and, and you may be thinking, yeah, I actually didn't want to repeat. Like I was, I'm out of the woods. You know, mm -hmm. this is going to be hard for me to have to come back and do this again. Even when kids are the same age, they can have such different temperaments mm -hmm. that um, assuming that one child is going to be like the other child, because this is your experience, that's something that could lead to a lot of confusion. And so communication, yep, communication, mm -hmm. communication is so important because every kid is going to need something different. Right. Yes. The thing that I, Anisha said earlier that kind of skipped by, the term that I like is negotiation. No, so when we, as you're making this transition into everyone living together, everyone coming under the same roof, there needs to be a lot of negotiation because you are a different kind of parent than I am. So we need to negotiate what these things are going to look like. We have to talk about what discipline looks like. You may be a yeller. You may be a beater. You may be someone who's a lot more lax. There could be so many different... But I'm a mandated reporter, so I, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> but these are conversations that people have to have because people do yeah. really come from from a different perspective. So there needs to be negotiation around that. There needs to be negotiation around discipline, around meals, around bedtime, around structure when it comes to homework, you know, um, you know, visitation with, with the other parent. You know, allowance, they, allowance. If they're if you if you're actually doing it, because I don't know how many anyway. Um, chores, all yeah. those things. There has to be a lot of negotiation between the couple, and you may want to include the kids in in in, in, in some respects. But there has to be a lot of negotiation between the parents about what this is going to look like. You can't come into this thinking it's going to your household now is going to look like what your house what your household looked like before. 
even if everyone's moving into your space, you have to negotiate what everything's going to look like for everybody because, again, it's not just your space anymore. It's a shared space. So how it's, does that look It's for a everybody? shared everything. Yeah, this is a such a, a web. Right. It's a web that extends to every aspect of coming together, mm-hmm. uh, even the finances. Oh, yeah. Right. right? Meaning... The kids are now doing basketball, ballet, soccer, jazz, piano. Right. Who's paying for this? Right. Who, who's paying for this? But then also one household, uh, the parent lets the kids get $40 haircuts, $50 sets of nails, lashes, mm-hmm. and they get a new pair of Jordans, you know, five times a year. Right. And the other household, the parent is like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. Right. Um, that is tough, but mm-hmm. you are blending experiences and you have to figure out how to make allowances for some of the things that you, you might not really believe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have mm-hmm. to, I have to neglect my kid now. I can't get my kid Jordans because you don't want your kid to have Jordans. So my kid right. has to, to, you know, suffer, suffer because of what you, <laughs> the limits you want to place on your kids. I mean, there's so much to negotiate. I can't yeah. Wait. yeah, that's yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot. So yeah. let's, let's But I think though I wanted to interject in here. Okay. One of the challenges, because some of the things we're talking about is just blended families, period. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether you getting married or just living together. I think one of the challenges I see in um blended families when you're just living together is the ease with which they separate. Mm-hmm. Meaning Divorce, like you take a little bit more time to kind of work through it, think through it. and right. You might but, be a little more invested in staying together. Correct. Right. Um, but it can be so incredibly disruptive mm-hmm. when people who are just living together, but just separate yeah. for the kids. I mean, it's uprooting everything. Like, you know, suddenly, you know, we have a big argument and like, you know, get out, just leave. And like we're literally packing up our stuff right. and we're leaving. Right. Um, and so I think I have seen that, you know, quite frequently where, um, you know, lease is not like the timing of things like it's not necessarily as considerate of the needs of the kids mm-hmm. in that way. Like we'll just move. Right. That it could be different school, like it's a lot, it's a whole cascade of things. Right. So true, yeah. I mean, it's a very uh mature decision to make because if you're just operating off of emotions and you know how that goes, where you can just split in a second, then yeah, you are going to disrupt not just your own life, but yeah, your the life of your children, their children. You don't know what kind of relationship they've developed, and now you're, you're pulling them apart. You know, I've known of blended families where. Two kids, you know, two, three kids are coming into the picture and they develop a very strong bond. And now you guys break up. Are the kids no longer supposed to communicate? Well, yeah, that's that's an important part, too. Right. So if you're married. And well, if these are your kids, right, there's Mm -hmm. custody and an expectation that we will continue that relationship. Obviously, I'm still your parent when you are not a parent. We're not even married. Right. But we break up. We've been living together for the past seven years. I've been in part of your child's life since they were three. Right. Because we're beefing. Now that relationship is completely cut off. Like yeah. this child has had suffered a loss. Right. Um, and so some, that's 
sometimes like hugely terrible in terms of navigating those things. And people need to keep that in mind before you bring kids into it. Know that you're in you're in it for the long haul. Like if you're going to invest and say, you know, you need to respect this person as you know another adult in your life or whatever, then that you are you are accepting this child in your life for the long haul, no matter what happens in the relationship. Right. And I don't feel like that happens. Like a lot of times, like it'll just be a, a complete cutoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure who mentioned it earlier, but you talked about bringing other family members into the household, right? Maybe um, aging yeah. parents and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that would help us make a good transition to cultural mm-hmm. differences that you need to consider when moving in together. And mm-hmm. so even just to that point, just starting there, what does that look like for couples when you are of a certain generation where your parents are aging and maybe you still have children in the household, you're in that middle generation and you're bringing people in, you're bringing your parents in or your expectations to bring parents in and your mate may struggle with that idea because, you know, I, I knew you were a package deal. I didn't know the package was big. You know, what? how do you, how do you begin to negotiate that kind of, um, you know, dynamic. It's one thing to have your kids come in, but now your parents or, um, you know, your nieces and nephews may have to, you know, live with you or other family members. How do you, how do you begin to negotiate those kind of dynamics? You know, I think again, communication is so important here Mm -hmm. because as the relationship is unfolding, you're already talking about how your parents' health is going or who you're living with, excuse me, already. And so your partner should be on board. It should never be a surprise (laughs) that somebody is moving in with them. Mm -hmm. And then again, this is about the sharing. How do we make enough space for everybody to be comfortable? And when you're making space for everybody to be comfortable, you have to be generous and you have to have a lot of, of grace going in, knowing that the more people who move in the more their needs have to be considered all the time. Right, right. Yes. And I want to echo the communication piece. I mean, that is the underpinning of pretty much everything. But it's important to consider your partner's um, wants, needs, desires as it pertains to this, right? Mm -hmm. So I can say, well, it's my mom. Of course she's going to come live here. Well, I do need to discuss it. Right. We do need to talk about what that looks like and what needs are Um, for other family members and relatives. You know, there's a crisis and, you know, I'm the caretaker. And so I I would welcome them and want to help them. What if my partner doesn't? Right. Mm -hmm. What how do we as you said, how do we negotiate that? Right. Um, I think those are discussions that that have to be had. Mm -hmm. And I think culture can play a big role in that, too. If you are a, um, you know, say African-American middle-class person from, you know, the suburbs of D.C. and the expectation is that where, again, this might be a general stereotype, but just consider this. The expectation is that as your parents are aging, we may put them in a facility, right? You know, we, we have the resources. This has been the plan. We put them in a facility. But if you're married to someone who is, say, of Middle Eastern descent or Asian descent, and culturally, you know, the idea is that the parent comes to stay with you as they age. That's the expectation. That's the obligation and responsibility. Um, you know, well, how do we negotiate that? I'm coming in thinking, well, this, it makes sense that 
we have the resources. Let's put them in, in a facility where they can be taken care of more than we can take care of them. And the other person's like, well, no, in our family, the expectation is, or in our culture, the expectation is that the parent comes and live with you when you, when, when they age, you know, how do you begin to even walk that tightrope? It's, it's one of those crosses you just have to bear mm-hmm. and every relationship is different and it comes with its own unique set of challenges. Mm-hmm. And when, when people come to live, uh, they also come with their opinions. They come with their rituals. They come with all types of things. So moving in with the in-laws, it can be a beautiful experience mm-hmm. that builds community and helps with the kids. And sometimes having the in-laws move in means that you have a, a actual parents coming in who doesn't necessarily see you as an adult and they may have a lot of of opinions about how things should go and they're trying to raise the grandkids as if they're their own kids so that is an ongoing challenge yeah it truly is and i think that um you know about the cultural piece um it could be religious differences let's say you know and i've had this where one of the partners, the way they grew up, their religious beliefs don't support living together before you're married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they've made some concessions. Maybe it's economics or I just love you. I'm afraid to lose you, whatever, whatever. And they do it. And there's always this cognitive dissonance. But their family that they're coming from still holds those beliefs. Right. Um, and so there's, you know, the potential for a lot of tension and negativity um, in moving forward. Um, and as you said, like... Um, the cross-cultural piece where some cultures, it is absolutely expected that we will live in a multi-generational way. Right. It's absolutely expected that our resources, like your money is not just your money, like it's our money. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about the extended family. Yeah. Um, and so that all <laughs> needs to be talked about and addressed, yeah. preferably before you cross the threshold before but like you said some people are just so in love that they're not thinking about this they're not making these kind of considerations because you know we're just together and we'll figure it out when we get there and then you get there and like oh there is a lot more to consider mm-hmm. i didn't think about how our mm-hmm. backgrounds may play a role in um how we're trying to set up our homes and how we want to live together you know what are some other considerations you have to take take when it comes to those differences in cultures so religions um ethnicities you know nationalities what are some other considerations as it relates to culture oh you know i i live in a family where um some of my family members have married outside of their race Mm -hmm. outside of our race and the daily way that people take in information and and process things like political affiliations or privilege and um and uh, socioeconomic status it comes out Mm -hmm. when you sometimes marry outside of your race Mm -hmm. and and every day the conversations between those couples looks different Mm -hmm. because they have to be in a space where they are open to learn and listen mm-hmm. to not only what the other person believes, but the context around it, yeah. how I was raised, why I am walking around with this privileged mindset, or uh, I'm in survival mode all the time. 
you know, I grew up coming from a place of lack. That's not something different that you have to do in in relationships where you may be of the same culture. We all need to be able to listen and learn, but it, it comes across so heavily because race in America is a thing. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can't ignore. Mm-hmm. And so the, the constant dialogue that has to happen and the constant openness to understand a different political view or a different, you know, financial view, uh, it can be exhausting mm-hmm. and you need to know that going into the blended situation. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Anisha? Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. Um, and I've seen that, right? Like you may feel like, you know, we're in a good space in our relationship relating to one another, but then something happens. Um, you know, yes. some of the political upheavals, the social unrest that we've had. Um, and you reflect on kind of where you are and try, do you find your partner to be a safe space? Mm. Um, process that when there is a difference. Um, like you said, Weena, like just being open to learn um, and to really accept and to, and to acknowledge. I mean, sometimes, you know, people naively act like it doesn't matter. No, it does. Mm. And yes, to take on those, you know, and have those courageous conversations, even in the midst of, you know, our, our coupleness. Um, what does it mean to be, you know, Latino and, uh, you know, I've got family members on the verge of deportation. Mm. I know you, you love and accept me, but you're voting with a party that supports, you know, like those kinds yes. of difficult conversations, like your home has to be a safe space um, right. to process that. Even I love think, the way you put that. Even thinking about that, about that extended family, we know that there are certain cultures where, extended family, even if they're not living in a household, it's important that they're engaged in the family, in your in your um, nuclear family, right? That they are playing a role there or they're visiting all the time. You know, mm-hmm. having that extended family around is very important within certain cultures. And if your culture is a little bit more reserved, a little bit more conservative, that may not be something that you're used to. Mm-hmm. And so having conversations mm-hmm. around what that looks like, how how often is it cool to have, you know, all these, do I need to, you know, set ground rules around when I walk in the house, how many people are here? Yes. You know, because for you, Hey, this is just how we live. This is how we've always lived for generations. Mm -hmm. And now we're living together and your expectation is that it's just you and I all the time. That's, that's not what I'm used to, Mm -hmm. you know? So even that, that part of it, celebrating holidays is another big one. Yes. You know, let's talk and talk about that a little bit. You know, even if you share um, the same religious affiliation, but you practice differently. And when it comes to holidays and who's coming into your household, what the expectation is for you guys going out? Because mm-hmm. now if you are living together, people are expecting to see you guys together all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are the expectations with that? So what are some of the things that you have to take into consideration when it comes to even religious celebrations within the same household now? I think the religious discussion should come up very early in it the dating relationship. Right. It does. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It, again, it should be be having, you should be having that discussion long before you think about packing a box mm-hmm. and moving in. But even when couples think that they have 
gone over it, you're going to learn on the job sometimes when you get into the mm-hmm. relationship yeah. and what are some into of those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, splitting time on holidays mm-hmm. that this is uh, outside parent. Remember baby's mama's baby's daddies. Oh, they may have some religious yeah. beliefs that, mm-hmm. that dictate that we go here, we do this, we don't eat that. We, right. We, yeah. Baptisms, you know, do we believe in christenings? Do we believe in, in certain rituals that happen? Quinceañeras, you know, bar mitzvahs, all those things that are, are highly rooted in faith mm-hmm. and I, that people are willing to die for. Those mm-hmm. are things that you may not be thinking about when you're moving in with someone and your child is seven, but when they turn 13, now you're going to have these conversations or 15 because that's when these rituals play out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, this, this evolving negotiation, as yeah. Anisha said, mm-hmm. around how we just make space for your faith to play out. And sometimes the rule is going to be, if it's not killing anybody, we have to let it happen. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. What do you think, Anisha? Um, Yeah. Like, like you said, Weena, I think the, the whole idea of it evolving um, and making sure that you have um, healthy, clear and consistent communication as needs change, as, you know, the children grow through different developmental stages um, and checking in, like what are our short-term goals? What are our long-term goals? Um, what does family look like? Um, like I like with my clients, especially my premarital ones, I like for them to do almost like a mission statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about your kids right now, when they are adults, what do you want them to be able to say about their home? Right. What it was like, what are the adjectives that you want them to be able to say? Like that doesn't happen, you know, kind of randomly. Like you have to be intentional about creating, you know, I was loved, I was accepted. Um, I was taught that I could be any, like those things, if that's what you value, then you have to make sure that you are moving in that direction. And so, you know, uh, whether it's blended families, you know, who, when you're coming together to live together, you should have those same discussions about what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you want it to look like? Exactly, exactly. So one thing, well, I guess this is our chance to talk about the different things we want to take away from this conversation. So time for our noble truths. Weena, why don't you start off? What are some of your noble truths about this this conversation around moving in together, particularly when it takes takes into consideration blended families and culture? What are your noble truths? Establishing rapport is one of the most important things you can do when you're blending a family uh, that extends beyond just you and your partner. You don't make any assumptions about the new people that are going to be sharing space with you. You get to know them. You listen uh, with the openness and the level of grace that makes people feel welcome because you're going to have a much better living experience mm-hmm. if you do that uh, on the front end. Right on, mm-hmm. right on. How about you, Anisha? What do you have for your noble truth for this week? Um, I guess what what I said earlier about making sure that everyone has space, mm-hmm. psychological and emotional space to be their individual selves and express 
how they're feeling, but definitely physical space um, that feels like I have a place and I belong. Right. Nice. Yeah. And what was, about you, Tyreek? <laughs> thank you for asking. <laughs> I appreciate you asking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my noble truth for this week is this takes a lot of negotiation. And you have a lot more to consider than just yourself when it comes to blending families and everyone moving in together. Like Dr. John and I talked about for the previous two episodes, we just talked about basically to, what are you considering as the couple are moving in together. But when you start talking about blending families, there's so many more conversations you have to have because, again, you're coming from very different backgrounds. And you want to make sure everyone else is on the same page with food, you know, uh, space, discipline. You have to negotiate, you have to make um, concessions, you have to get to a place where everyone's on that same page. And if you don't do that on the front end, oh, you're gonna suffer on the back end. So those are definitely some things I want you to think about from today's conversation, you know, so. Well guys, it is time for us to wrap. So why don't you guys uh, tell everybody what you got going on and how they can find out more about you. Why don't we go ahead and start with Anisha. Yes, um, you can find me at growthpointtherapy.com. And yeah, happy to have you in my practice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what about you, Weena? Love it, love it, love it. Follow me at Weena Wise, W E E N A W I S E, on TikTok and Instagram. And definitely check out covenanttherapy.com, where there are blog posts and resources for couples and individuals and families around mental health. And also check out the Wise Ones podcast on Spotify and soon to be on Apple. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. And you guys, you know, you can check me out right here at Kings of the Heart, kingsoftheheart.com and Kings of the Heart on Spotify and everything else, uh, YouTube. You can also find out more about me and my private practice at insightmft.com or you can check out my personal webpage, um, with all my other media stuff at viewsandvibes.com or just find me, Tyreek Omari, at all of the different uh, social media social platforms. Social media yeah, platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. But look it. Royal Cypher, thank you guys so much for being here today. Again, Dr. John, we miss you. Hope we John, can all you're get my back. favorite. <laughs> okay, that's fine. right. All right, John, fine. you're my favorite. Fine, that's fine. I, I will not take that person. I can understand why he's my favorite too. But thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in, and we will see you guys again soon. Bye. Bye.